You're listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org. Now, in just a second, we're going to hear a word of Scripture. It comes to us from Revelation 21. Um, And in this is a a vision that uh, is the closing vision of a book of visions. Uh, The book of Revelation, and again, my last chance to remind you, it's not plural. It's not Revelations, it's Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there are a number of images and visions that are given uh, to the author. And as he is writing them down, sharing them with us, there's been all kinds of conjecture and trying to understand what those visions mean for today. The revelation of this whole book, however, is a culmination leading to a final truth of how God is consistent with us from the beginning of time, from Genesis, all the way through the end of the gospel, all the way through the scriptures, and even beyond into this day. So here, Steve, uh, and share with us, Steve and Jennifer Harris, share, share with us uh, this scripture and this powerful gift of what it says to us for today and for tomorrow. The scripture reading this morning is from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 8 and 22 through 27. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Those who conquer will inherit these things, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. I saw no temple in the city, for its temples is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God is its light, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. People will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations, but nothing unclean will enter it, nor anyone who practices abomination or falsehood but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God.
Thanks, Steve and Jennifer. And now would you join with me in a word of prayer? Bless our Lord the sharing of these words, that it would lead to your holy word. And may the image of this scripture today become the truth of how we live our lives tomorrow. We ask this to be made accomplished by the power and gift of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So happy Memorial Day weekend. As we come into this Memorial Day weekend, perhaps it feels a little bit more like weekends of, of celebration uh, than per, we've had for a while. I know a number of folks who are uh, watching today are actually traveling or on vacation and, and getting time to be away from their home. And some are inviting guests and people back into their homes for the first time in a long time. This holy experience of getting together and renewing our souls and celebrating the beginning of summer is such a treasured gift and it's particularly on Memorial Day weekend when we are remembering the fact that this is a weekend set aside to pay honor and respect and to say thanks for those who have lived a life of service or in an act of service have given the ultimate sacrifice of their lives. It is a national holiday, that is to say, a, a day when we celebrate those who are in the service of our country in the armed forces, and, yes, particularly for those who've passed away. And, of course, it's appropriate to do so. When we celebrate Memorial Day weekend, is a way of us remembering and reclaiming the vision for which this country has always tried to stand for. Now, let's be clear. We've never done it perfectly, and sometimes we have gone askew in our attempt to try to do things in our own history. True of every culture, true of every nation and people. But the best ideas of our vision that sometimes have led us to be in places where people lost their lives trying to accomplish that vision is what this weekend is about. And so to those whom we remember who lost their lives, and to those and their families who grieve them still. We give God thanks for them and honor their memory. Today, as we celebrate this Memorial Day weekend, uh, I'm thinking especially of a soldier or a former soldier close to my heart. This is a picture of my dad on leave. Uh, in World War II, home, visiting his mother, my grandmother. And I don't know the rabbit. But the point is that uh, he's home on leave as he served in the Army Air Force. As most of you have probably already heard me tell you about my dad, who served as a mechanic on B-24s. And he never left the United States. Uh, during World War II, he was stationed here, uh, working on uh, B-24s and, and perfecting their engines. and and uh, really enjoying serving in that capacity, never put at risk. That's something that he's always felt a little odd about. But over his latter years, was able to finally claim the fact that he was representing a whole number of people who served. So over the last number of years, he's proudly worn his World War II veteran hat wherever he went. He's a proud member, not only obviously, as you remember, of the Methodist Church in Montrose, but of the American Legion. And he has 
uh, serving as the chaplain for the American Legion, officiated and served in honoring people at a wide number of funeral services over the last decade or so. I honored my dad and his service, especially as I think about him today. Um, the truth is that uh, in tra full transparency, he's in the final days of his life. I came down to record this service so that it would be available for you to watch on Sunday. Uh, I don't know if by Sunday, the day that you watch this, if he maybe perhaps won't have already passed. That's in God's hands. But we're sitting with him and being with him. And as I've been cleaning things out in his house and moving things around, I found a number of pictures. And I, I found this picture of he visiting grandma. And uh, notice how happy he is, how young he looks. And uh, remembering the fact that for my father, that time in the military was one of the most precious times. He loved being in the military. He loved, I think, being away from home. It was the first time he'd really been away from home in his life. He graduated out of high school and went right in. And so for him, it was a time of growing up, of maturing, of experiencing a few things different than uh, what they were here in Michigan and in Genesee County. As I remember my dad on this Memorial Day weekend, I remember how that moment in his life really became an anchor for him and in some ways helped shape the rest of his life. His time in the military was an attempt at that point, if we go back in history, for our country to try to step up to its highest ideas of trying to defeat evil and protect the vulnerable and those who could not protect themselves. That vision motivated our actions in World War II and oftentimes has caused us as a nation to stand up and take action. The power of a vision is not found in how it describes what happens sometime in the future, but how a picture of what may happen in the future changes what you're doing today. This revelation from Revelation 21 that uh, Stephen Jennifer read to you a few minutes ago is that kind of a vision. The words are powerful and speak to a very deep part of our soul, particularly those of us who have known hard times or going through hard times, to think, to believe, to hope that in fact there will be a time that we will be with God and that he will wipe every tear from our eyes, that death will be no more and mourning and crying and pain shall be no more. To have that assurance, to have that hope, to have that vision is a very sustaining power. It can give us strength. But there's something about this vision I want to draw to your attention. Notice who's moving in this vision. We aren't being called to get to God. God comes to us. Perhaps one of the secrets of this vision that we often overlook is it completely turns upside down the way we often think about how we get the good things from God. Oftentimes we think that we have to go to God. We have to somehow go on the quest and make it possible for the thing that God wants to have happen in our life to happen. Revelation 21 says that's not how it works. God comes to us on earth. God comes to us in this vision. God is the one who makes this vision possible. God is the one who gives us this vision. God is the one who comes to us 
to make this happen. And in that simple shift of motion, I think changes so much about how we see our faith. We all too often have bought into a theology and belief that somehow we have to earn, we have to work, we have to deserve what God wants to give us. The fact is, God comes to us because we are God's own people. We are God's creation. We are God's children. We all share that truth. And those of us who have stepped into the truth of that enough that we've proclaimed a faith, we've accepted a baptism, we've been washed in the water, we have served Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, this is not an earning our way to get to God, but rather a response to the God who has come to us. A living in, as you, if you will, as a precursor to what it will be like later on. It's not earning what will happen, it is receiving an early opportunity to experience what the eternal will be like, what God desires for you and for me. This vision is powerful, and it sustains us in our hardest times. I want to tell you that I believe the challenges of today are more easily overcome depending on the vision that we claim. The challenges of today are more easily overcome depending on the vision that we have claimed for today. In this past week, as we have been preparing ourselves for my father's passing, I had to go tell my brother Jim that dad was passing. Jim, again, in case some of you don't know, is my elder brother, seven years older than I am. Uh, he's trained by mentally impaired, lives in a group home near us, comes home on the weekends uh, to be with us. Jim, who's been going to the Montrose United Methodist Church since, well, like me, since he was born, and has claimed that, and that family of that church has claimed him, I told him that his dad is passing. And you can understand that was a very powerful moment for Jim. He took some time to think about it. He asked some questions. He had a little bit of emotion. And then he asked if we could pray. And of course, he loves telling people that I'm the preacher. So that meant me pray, so I prayed. And then Jim and I went to go see Dad. And I already told Jim that Dad's not responsive right now. He's not going to maybe act like he even knows that we're there, but I believe he does know we're there. So we walked in the room, and Dad was sort of on the edge of the bed, and he had his arm out of the bed, sort of hanging over the rail. Jim walked over to him and touched him gently, and then looked down at his hand that was out over the rail. And Jim reached down to grab dad's hand. And I thought he was gonna put it back in the bed. But he grabbed dad's hand gently, held it, and then kneeled down and offered prayer for his dad. And I don't mean, you know, a 30 second prayer. I mean, it was a long, silent, deep, heartfelt, faith-based prayer to God 
That was his first response. Because Jim had been taught a faith that has as a vision that there is a God who will come to us, a God who has come to us, and a God who gives us in our deepest moments of pain and anguish and hurt and fear an assurance of a faith that this God will come to us and create for us a world, give to us a life where there will be no more tears or pain or death. And in that moment of anguish, as he realized his dad was going to leave him, Jim had a faith that could allow him to withstand that moment. That vision changed the way Jim could experience my father's passing. And watching Jim kneel next to my dad's bed, holding his hand, offering this deep, silent prayer, was one of the most beautiful, poignant, faith-filled, sweet, heartbreaking moments I've ever had in my life. And I thought to myself, I wish, I hope, that Jim's younger brother can have the kind of faith that he showed me that day. A vision of the possible is what gives us hope in the moment of our greatest challenges. It did for my brother Jim. It did for me. It is doing that for me right now. And I hope that as we've shared our lives together and as we will continue to share in union through Jesus Christ our lives, that we will continually find the gift of the vision of God making the possible real in our life. Now, when I gave this section of Scripture to the office, um, I got a call, and the question was, do you want to stop your Scripture at verse 7? Do you want to not include verse 8? And I said, no, I'm intentionally including verse 8. I want it in there. Now, verse 8, if you weren't paying that close of attention, it's okay, is right after all this vision of the fact that God will make it so we no longer have tears or pain or hurt and death will be no more, goes on to say in verse 8, but as for the cowardly, the faithless, the polluted, the murderers, the fornicators, the sorcerers, the idolaters, and all liars, their place will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, this happens right after this vision that I've been talking to you about. And it seems so startling, so unsettling. And there is a temptation to want to sort of, well, let's stop at verse 7. It's, uh, let's stay with the good stuff. But I want to wrestle with verse 8, to be honest with you. And I want to wrestle with it with you right now just for a second. This understanding of the judgment of God in scriptures is something that we could spend years talking about. Oh, wait a minute, we have. And I hope you remember that I've told you the fact that certainly there was an understanding of the difference between good and evil. In some ways, there was this cosmic dualism going on, this battle between God and the forces of evil. We don't find it in the Old Testament, but we do find it around the time when Jesus came into the world. That was a philosophical way of thinking in that time. And it became part of our scriptures. And the, particularly in the apocalyptic passages like this one today, we hear judgment, and we hear uh, suffering, we hear fire and brimstone. I have in my life spent 
of a large amount of energy and conversation and prayer to embrace all of Scripture. I don't want to be a cherry picker. I don't want to just find the verses that I like or that I necessarily agree with. That's really no fun. I like preaching on the passages that I struggle with that I so can't completely reconcile. I think that's where we grow the most. And I don't want to back off of these kinds of scriptures that talk in ways that I just don't understand that. But here's what I want to say to you about this verse 8. First of all, I think it's an interesting list. Sort of random, isn't it? I mean, let's be clear. So here it says that uh, the cowardly, that's a sin to be cowardly? I don't know that any one of us hasn't at some point in our life felt like a little bit of a coward, hasn't stepped up. The faithless, really? Well, you mean the moments where I haven't had faith, where I've lost my faith, where I'm struggling with my faith? The polluted, I'm not even sure what that means, uh, but persons who have lost their way? Uh, the murderers and the fornicators? Well, okay, you know. I, the sorcerers? Uh, how many sorcerers do you have living in your neighborhood? I don't know. The idolaters? Oh, you mean like the way we've turned so much into idolatry that we've put it before the unity of the church. Hmm. And all liars, all liars, all who lie. Okay, those of you right now, wherever you are, I can't see you, it's okay. Those of you who've never told a lie, raise your hand. Liar. So it's a random list of people that are being condemned. And then, I want to say this to you. I think this is included. Not so anybody can sit around smug going, ha, look who's going to suffer. I think it's given to us. Not so that I can preach hell to you, but so that I can help you with the hell that you are in. Because the truth is, whether it's this list or another list of ways in which we oftentimes fall short of what God would want us to be, find ourselves trapped by any kinds of behaviors or sins that, that have made us turn our life around away from the path that God has prepared for us. The truth is there are consequences to those actions. And I don't think it's just about a burning pool of sulfur one day. I think it's about the consequences that happen to us right now in this place. I think it's about the fact that all of us have learned, have learned and experienced the hells that we have created or that others have created by their actions in our life as we live them right now. And I think this is listed here in verse 8. So we'll go back. <laughs> we'll go back to read the vision that God gives us. You know, one day, y'all, you bunch of liars, you cowardly, you faithless, yes, you murderers and fornicators and sorcerers alike, all of you, one day, I'm going to come to you and death will be no more. And yes, you know hell right now. You're experiencing hell right now and it feels terrible and it is terrible. And we need to do everything we can to defeat evil. Our baptism of vows proclaim it. But one day, listen to this. God says this. I'm coming to make all things new. Not to make new things but to make all things, all things, all ones, even liars and fornicators and murderers and so on, I've come to make all things 
new. This is the vision. So today, I celebrate visions and this vision that can change how we live today, to give us hope, to give us strength, to give us direction. In this church, we've been living visions with each other. You gave me one as I came here to be a people who are called to vitally connect people to people and people to God. We believe in that vision. I've said to you more recently, for me, the vision that came is I hope that in addition, in addition to vitally connecting people to people and people to God, you will become the most radically generous congregation beyond our wildest imagination for the sake of Jesus Christ. I think that's the way God wants us to live. And that's not about being perfect in all of those endeavors today, but it's about an understanding of where we're going and how it may guide us in this moment. Today I ask you this simple question. What vision is guiding you today? What vision that you look forward to, that you trust and believe in, that will carry you through the hard times that you're going through now, that will give you strength, give you a story, give you a witness, give you hope, give you joy, give you purpose and meaning today. What vision are you pursuing? Can you name it without having to look it up? Can you proclaim it in any moment because it's that so compelling to you that it has captured you? I hope so. And if you don't have one, this one might not be a bad one to start thinking about. God will dwell with us. God has made it so that we will be God's people. And God will be with us. God will wipe every tear from our eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. May God give you the power of this truth, the truth about tomorrow, and the truth about how it changes today. To God be the glory. Amen. You've been listening to the weekly sermon from Clarkston United Methodist Church in Michigan. We are a church dedicated to connecting people to people and people to God. To learn more, visit us at clarkstonumc.org.